Hey everybody, this is Sean McVeigh and welcome to the Vet Med Mind. What is the Vet Med Mind? It's a podcast that we're doing here at Veterinary Growth Partners, celebrating success stories in veterinary medicine. I'm joined by Rachel Tashberg. You've certainly heard her speak or lecture at some of our conferences. So together and with other guests, we're going to explore in veterinary medicine, both current, past, and maybe even future uh, success stories. Hi, everyone. This is Sean McVeigh, and please say hello to Rachel Tashberg. Hi, Rachel. Hello. Hi. We are here to celebrate the first episode of the Vet Med Mind. Rachel, do you want to tell everybody what the Vet Med Mind is and why we should be celebrating? Yeah, well, this is something we've been talking about for a long time. Um, The Vet Med Mind is a podcast that is going to showcase the success stories of people in vet med. We are just surrounded by some of the most hardworking human beings, passionate, capable, just people who really give it 100%. And so we've been talking about doing a podcast, and we just thought, what better thing to do than highlight these amazing human beings that we get to work with all day um, and showcase their stories to be inspirational and motivational to other people in our industry. So yeah, we're so stoked about this. Um, Sean, I know this was really a big thing for you to finally put all this together. So why did you want to tell these stories and what are you trying to bring to the industry with this? Well, the goal would be to, uh, Talk about some joyous things. (laughs) Talk about some things that uh, make us happy and focus on the tangible results of people who have applied some of the basic principles that we've been talking about in management of veterinary hospitals and leadership in veterinary medicine for really the last 25 or 30 years. And so to me, success in veterinary medicine is somebody who, and and when I say somebody, this really means a practice uh, and the people involved in the building of a practice, but it could also be another kind of business, but we just happen to be working in veterinary medicine. Somebody who has managed to uh, create a work-life balance whereby they are successful in their personal life, successful in their business life, and they're doing that without spreading too much toxicity and pain along the way. And in fact, might still be retaining what we would call happiness, joy, and some serenity along the way. Um, we've spent our careers and we get paid to help people figure out what's wrong. You know, and often people call upon you as a practice coach or me as a consultant or a business leader or you as a hospital administrator. Like we only got called on when things were wrong (laughs) and we became experts. I guess that's what they would call us experts Mm -hmm. at doing this because we've had some success in solving some things that were wrong. But what we know behind the scenes is there's a few basic things that go right all the time in every what we would call successful practice and successful life. And so rather than spend our time focusing on all the downers, let's spend our time focusing on what they did right to get to where they are. And what I believe is we're going to come up with all all kinds of different all kinds of different descriptions of the journey, but the tributaries that get us to that river and flow are all going to be pretty much the same. We're going to find some similar stories over and over again. And those stories are going to be about people that used emotional intelligence and managed their conflict resolution, uh, use conflict resolution skills to manage their day-to-day process. They use those things and they found what we define as success in those things better EBITDA, more employee retention, better work-life balance. So I'm excited to hear about success stories because um, 
yeah, that's why we wanted to do this. Um, yeah. And I, I think the other thing to add is we thought COVID, like we're all in a little PTSD. Um, I, I thought, we thought COVID would at the worst be like kind of this year thing we'd have to manage. And it turns out it's like a chronic illness that we're having to manage. And we all got the disease, whether we got it or not, because psychologically we got it. This is case in point for, you don't have to get COVID to be traumatized by COVID. And I mean that in the most benign way because i think each of us individually would say oh come on it's not been that bad but you know a lot of people have died <laughs> a lot of people have been affected we've all been moved psychologically physically intellectually process in our own personal processes we've all had to like make adjustments yeah. and um and coming back whatever that looks like what i know for sure is is not the same yeah I'm excited to hear these stories and to connect even more people together um, through their storytelling and sharing their experiences. So the more people can learn and grow from each other, the better. We're basically going to ask these few questions kind of over and over again of people like, how did you get here? Um, How would you define success in your life? Um, what would be some of the obstacles and aha moments that you had along the way that got you here? Because we believe that nobody gets to a successful place without exposure of um, interpersonal and or blind spots, you know, interpersonal foibles or blind spots and some pretty unique talents and energies. Uh, so I think pointing because, you know, people always talk about like you're lucky, you know, well, Oprah once said that uh, luck is being prepared when you finally get a break. Mm. And, and I really like that because I think that anybody who's been successful It's that combination of I was prepared, I worked hard, I looked at my own personal demons, I told my own personal truths, and I caught a couple of breaks. And so to me, that's inspiring. I want people to walk away from this podcast inspired. And so Julia asked me some of those questions for this very first podcast. You know, and um, now that I'm thinking, because we obviously recorded it a couple of weeks ago and thinking back, I'm like, I don't even remember what I talked about. <laughs> so it's going to be a surprise to me kind of what comes out uh, yeah. in the moment. That's how I defined it. And that's how we want to catch these people that we interview in the moment. You know, you're living your best life. Uh, how did you get there? And hopefully it will inspire some other people to achieve greater heights or and seek out help along the way. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited to hear your episode with Julia because you've been inspirational to me and you still are inspirational to me. And I know you're inspirational to a lot of people. You know, you've been in the industry a long time and you've really already made an impact. So I'm really excited to kick this off. So we are going to launch today's episode. Um, Yes, we're we're going to get right into it. Five, four, (laughs) three, two, take it away, Julia. So hi, everyone. Uh, Hi, everybody. This is Julia Baer, and I am the Director of Coaching Operations with Veterinary Growth Partners. And I am thrilled to be here with our Chief Culture Officer, Sean McVay. And we're going to just, you know, have a little conversation, a little chat. But Sean, I just have to let you know that I'm honored to be having this conversation with you because um, you have made such a and you've been such an inspiration to me in my career and completely changed my trajectory. And I know you've had such a significant impact on so many practices 
people and pets in vet mm-hmm. med. So I'm honored to be here to speak with you. That's really nice. Thank yeah. you, Julie. Thanks. So, Thanks. Makes me feel good. Yeah, good. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you have gotten where you are today in your career. When it comes down to it, it was kind of like making lemonade out of lemons. Mm-hmm. Like really, I was just fundamentally driven mm-hmm. to accomplish something. And, and I, you know, and it's fascinating that it's in this realm, but it was the, I believe now that all trauma, all childhood stuff, it's not great, uh, which I, you know, I come from that. And it really informed me. I mean, it really, that, and I'll just say it, being gay at a time, you know, I was watching, um, last night I was watching uh, uh, The Andy Warhol Diaries. It's a mm-hmm. Netflix thing. Yeah. And it just recapped these 70s and 80s and early 90s mm-hmm. when AIDS came on the scene. And and when, you know, just, and and it seems like it's 40 years ago now. Yeah. But I look back at it and I lived through, through all of that. Right. And I literally lived through all of that. Right. Came out and lived. And and when I think about, you know, just the way that people thought about us then, mm-hmm. gay people, the way that people, like, it felt like I had a choice as a young adult to say, I'm just going to forge my own way mm-hmm. or be victimized by everything that was crappy that was happening around me. Mm-hmm. And it really felt like that. And I don't think I made a conscious choice to go, I'm going to just move forward. It just felt like you know, I didn't want to have the end of my life. I didn't want, I was just driven. I wanted to accomplish something. So I think that tenacity, like there was nothing that, came up in my career that was worse, <laughs> you know, than maybe what I lived for, lived through or was picturing could happen mm-hmm. in my own personal life uh, that I'd already experienced in childhood that wasn't so great. So I'm like, what are they going to do to me? Tell me no, right? Yeah. So I built an attitude of not only can I do this, but I can probably do it better than you. And I hear, that's why I identify so much with women. And I think other maybe minorities <laughs> for lack of a better descriptor, mm-hmm. is that all, what we have in common is we're often told we can't do it as well as, mm-hmm. or we have to do twice as well as. And what I mean, well as, you know, a white straight guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just the truth. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing this more and more forever. So I was really informed by all of that, by the, the 60s and 70s and um, liberation and kind of be who you can be. I thought it was radical then, and as I'm growing older, it became less radical, only to realize that it's still really radical. Mm-hmm. Like most people stay in a pigeonhole. And so because I couldn't do that and live, it's free. I just really, I woke up and it was, it became clear to me that like I could do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And so then it became a matter of what do I want? And that, that was a much harder question. I mean, I had to try on a lot of different outfits of careers and people like just you know where's my niche mm-hmm. but what i knew from studying uh you know i have my degrees are in major family therapy and social work and um that was really more about wanting to fix myself but once i started that piece it was there was just this turn on to what makes people tick and mm-hmm. and how do we like how do we like if i can't connect with you at that level like what makes you tick right. and i'm kind of not interested mm-hmm. and and then it was just a matter of what can I do professionally that honors that, right? Mm-hmm. That that connection. Tried being a therapist, really bad at it, and uh, way too slow and 
it's not an equal process, you know. Uh, tried running nonprofit organizations, not really good, but I like money, <laughs> you know. And and I learned along the way like that, you know. I did some sales jobs and I did some management jobs, and uh, then stumbled into veterinary medicine. I literally, st- almost stumbled into veterinary medicine through an exercise class that a person I knew in the class who happened to be a animal dermatologist, mm-hmm. and she introduced me to this, and this was challenging. Yeah. yeah, we can get into that more. But that, the success of my career has been about not only do I, nobody ever really told me no too much mm-hmm. because I think I stunned them into not only are you going to take me on, but you're going to take on my ideas too. You know, you're a change catalyst. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I never, that, it's almost, the only way I can explain it is like a God-given gift born out of the necessity of survival. And it sounds like hyperbole and melodramatic, but in my own therapy now, I can look back and go, that's actually what happened. You know, I, it was either thrive or be gobbled up. So you were building resilience back before that was really even a, a thing. Yes, and I must say, some of the ways that I chose to, because I talk about this in my lectures, that capitalism, mm-hmm. you know, I worked for for-profit companies most of my life and built for-profit companies. And the reward for that is finances and or uh, building of lives. And all, but it's capitalism. And if you win capitalism, it means that you can sometimes use toxic tactics to get there. And so I don't want to paint this picture where, like, you know, I just realized my, and had an epiphany and that, aha, and everything turned out roses. You know, some of my own toxic tactics from being a survivor, that tenacity, that will in the beginning at least to run other things to get them done, maybe the people to get them done, to stretch the rules a little bit, to make it happen. While I've been rewarded, our, this, it, I don't feel like it was a, like a clean trajectory to where I feel like I got a little lucky, you mm-hmm. know, and it's because I haven't been perfect along the way. I've, I've, my own, I've been my own biggest enemy like a lot of us are too. And, and I've been fortunate enough to be in a place and space where I survived me <laughs> and still managed to accomplish something. So what I don't want to do is say, you know, I did all this work on me and then everything worked out really perfectly. It, it didn't. I mean, it worked out well. But it could have easily many, many, so resilience, yeah, many junctures, things could have gone the other way. You know? Well, I think you were, you were vulnerable and transparent and that connects with people. You and think that's what it is? Yeah, so, I definitely do. It, because it's also, you say that, and I, and I appreciate that, and it's also my Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. And then, well, my feelings have always been like right at the surface, mm-hmm. you know, just right there. And I, you know, that's not a quality that is typically rewarded in men mm-hmm. in our culture, especially in a, in a, kind of pardon the pun, but doggy dog world of capitalism where you have to grow a business and pay attention to, you know, I just didn't fit that stereotype. Mm-hmm. So I fought often, had this internal struggle with myself to not let myself be seen that way. Mm-hmm. Yet the reality is, as you just pointed out, that that's what makes me unique. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what that's what makes me different than, than the other person. So the message in that, and it's really true, is, you know, you gotta be who you is. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you know, follow. And I think the universe, God, Buddha, whatever you believe in, I think it has rewarded me in that journey for that. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I haven't been perfect, but I have been present and I have been out there, you know, like with take it or leave it, this is what you get. Yeah. Well, and in, in our industry, I see how you are so successful because there is this constant conflict. You've got your high IQ veterinarians and your emotional 
support staff team members. And so, uh, you know, having those uncomfortable conversations, and that's where I see the vulnerability is that you admit that you're not perfect, but you are really the psychology expert. You brought emotional intelligence into our industry, mm-hmm. which has been game-changing for so many people, myself. Oh, shucks, little me. Yeah. <laughs> that's just what I, when I hear you say those things, I just think it feels really great, but it sounds almost like it should be like talking about somebody else. In my mind, I'm still... I'm still gearing up to make an impact, you know, I'm still, and that's the residue of my own dysfunctional upbringing, you know, that, that there's still this need to, not need, um, this inner response mm-hmm. to have to do it better than or to have to reach another goal. You know, one of the hardest things about being successful is just resting in that success. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. using it for the powers of good and and just being chill with, I have accomplished some things and I am good enough if I don't produce something in this year. Right. You know, if I don't make something happen. It's very addictive to be accomplished. Well, it's interesting that you talk about that because, um, you know, I know that you're competitive in physical sport, mm-hmm. sports and things like that. Yeah. And I recently listened to uh, a podcast by Dr. Emily Anhalt, and she talks about emotionally fit leadership. Oh. And it's a, she talks with um, therapists and entrepreneurs and talks to them about how to be more emotionally fit. So they're super competitive people. They're always going, mm-hmm. um, but they need to do emotional push-ups instead oh. of just physical fitness push-ups. Yeah emotional push-ups realizing that you're 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 going to have these emotions and it's about managing them you know emotional mm-hmm. intelligence but it's it's about uh recognizing your own strengths giving yourself time to breathe mm-hmm. and realize the success that you've had mm-hmm. in order to you know keep moving forward mm-hmm. so um it was it was it was a great podcast um and i'm always looking at things that help more with emotional intelligence because it's so helpful for our industry and for me as a person in my personal life. So the you know EQ becomes emotional intelligence just becomes a way of living. It yeah. really is what it's about. And it's not even like that, it's not like a church-like life or a fitness life or something that you kind of commit to. It's almost just transformative. It gets inside of you. Mm-hmm. Well, what it is, it's the discovery of self, right? I mean, you when emotional intelligence is honoring the capacity we have to self-manage and to mm-hmm. and to create change and to and you know you said something about I've pointed a picture about how capitalism is rewarded by sometimes dysfunctional behavior. But I will say that the other thing that has driven me all along, mm-hmm. uh, besides that uh tenacity, is I've had a pretty purpose-driven life too, a mission-driven life. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really chase money. I I did chase, I guess, status, but really leadership. You know, mm-hmm. that was not the position, but the accomplishment, you know, and, and, and that, so I never settled for working with, for, or around mm-hmm. someone who didn't have a vision. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really important for people that are out there listening about, you know, I didn't create my success. I was, a, I did some of it, but I was part of a visionary process. Mm-hmm. There were other people that needed me for that. And, you know, every great leader will tell you that they got there because they have this great team of people around them. Right. And so, you know, I was just a, I fit in this wheel of what made this business go. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I, I stayed in, not always stayed in my lane, but I tried to stay in my lane and bring what I could bring to it. But for all of us that built Pathway, VGP, Now Thrive, uh, and have brought EQ to the industry, I love that I got to bring EQ to the industry, but if Zoas wasn't there, I couldn't have brought it to the level that we brought it. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't met Starlin and you and then Jason, you know, it wouldn't have gone to this level. If Jason didn't know Rob Sigmund, then it wouldn't have come to this level. You know, it's, it's so it's so many people have brought me to this dance. But the thing that I saw was was mission, purpose, like people living something more than I'm just doing a job. Because mm-hmm. that was where the high was. That was where the energy was for me. It's like we're part of something that's gonna. It sounds trite, but change the world. You know, <laughs> that's that's a really cool feeling. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you pushed the envelope. You you helped the entrepreneurs see they have the vision, but you help bring it to fruition. Mm-hmm. You know, with the, the team that you built and the mm-hmm. the conflict management and uh, EQ skills that you brought to us. Yeah, so. it's a. I still wonder, and I guess I'd ask you. You know. Bringing it to the end, you're much closer to the industry now so than I am. I mean, I'm a little, well, you're more removed than you've been in terms of you're supervising people now that are working in the industry all the time. When I say industry, folks, I'm talking about on the ground in the veterinary hospital. I know there's lots of other places in the industry. But um, are you seeing changes in people and staff and the profession? Are we, do you think the EQ level is rising? Do you think that? People are getting it, or is it still select? I think that it is. I think the younger generations are, um, you know, purpose-driven and Mm -hmm. uh, more emotionally intelligent. But I think, you know, the pandemic set things back big time. Mm -hmm. I think that's had a significant impact and emotional toll on everyone. Mm -hmm. So Almost like an excuse to not be self-caring and just kind of yeah. in and just go yeah so one in four essential workers have been diagnosed with a mental health disorder in the last you know since the start of the pandemic mm-hmm. i mean that's mm-hmm. significant that's i think i think what's nice now is we are more vulnerable and, and talk about that okay. and talk about resources and tools that people and practices and businesses can implement to help support mm-hmm. their teams mm-hmm. but I, I i see that there there what there was a bit of improvement, but then it kind of got sidetracked. Okay. Um, but I, I feel like we're going into the upswing, I hope, and that, you know, with the things that BGP is doing and that you're doing and hopefully that my team is doing, mm-hmm. um, we're impacting more people and and helping them because they're mm-hmm. they're ready, they're ready to start their vision again, where mm-hmm. things were set back for a few years. People were just trying to keep their head above water. And so I think I, I hope we see an upswing again. Okay. So. All right. Well, I, you know, I'm going to be doing a podcast, and, mm-hmm. and I want to, I, I want to focus on those things. I, you know, for I can talk about the doom and gloom, and, and not doom and gloom. The I can talk about the morbidity emotionally, and I can talk about how we got here to the problem. But there's also, I think, still a lot of people who are looking at the solution, who are who are who have found a little bit of light mm-hmm. with EQ conflict resolution, with taking control, wellness, taking control of themselves. And so, right. I want to talk to those kind of people and see what still keep sending the message, you know, that there's hope. But mm-hmm. let's also focus on folks that have used, who have taken this big old lemon <laughs> and turned it into something that is lemonade. Because yeah. the other side of this is, is that we have tremendous opportunities still. Yes. I mean, you know, if you really want to 
think about being affected by the pandemic, then you know, maybe be a restaurant or a bar or a place where or a theater or an actor or an actress or somebody who, you know, just who makes their living in personal, you know, we more people came to us. Right. Our business has grown because of the pandemic. Right. We can't handle the volume because right. of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the few, you know, other than maybe at Uber Eats <laughs> and you know, like yeah. you know, the, the we're one of the industries that has benefited right. economically and opportunity-wise. And yet all I hear us doing is kind of complaining. Mm-hmm. About how bad it is and how hard it is, and and those are all tr- those are all true things. But complaining about it isn't really changing, you know. Right. And if people want pet healthcare this much, which I know they do, then we now have an opportunity to actually literally reinvent how services work. Mm-hmm. You know, create a whole new paradigm about this is because we, we all have expectations of what they're getting in a veterinary hospital. Why don't we change those expectations? Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that healthcare has to go by the wayside, but how we deliver it, the technology that we use to deliver it, the the spaces and physicality of what we use to deliver it. Uh, you know, telemedicine is so underutilized. Nurses are so underutilized in terms of, and it's archaic. There are still veterinarians out there doing so much that a nurse should be doing. Right. Or the equivalent of a nurse practitioner in the human medicine model. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be opportunity. So there's so many ways that we can meet the challenges of this profession. Right. Uh, but you can't do it if you come to the day just hoping to survive. <laughs> you know, there's gotta be some internal strength, some 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 gumption, some energy, some and you know, we get it when we get out of school, but living in three to five years of a toxic kind of place or space will zap that right out of you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the telltale sign, right? Yeah. And we see that with our clinics. Lack of motivation to do something about your problems. Lack of motivation to get into action to solve your problems is the sign that your problems are overwhelming <laughs> and that you probably should be reaching out. And, and that's really what VGP was created for because we have not... We've not read that of the real folks. All we've done is just take all the components of the real and make them available to you so that you don't have to build it in your practice. You know? And that's ultimately the goal here. But what we've learned is you can't do it if you're not emotionally fit. You can't, you, for a time, you can do it. But then you fall down. And in this kind of mono-leader practice, most practices don't have the capacity or resources to have multiple leaders and have somebody just take over if somebody's feeling. So it's almost like parenting say that as a parent, that if I can't take care of me, the kids are going to suffer. You know, so it's not, I'm going a little crazy today because I'm here by myself. (laughs) And I'm sitting up in the room and I I watched um, half of the movie of 1991, a (laughs) diehard movie. And I watched it and I'm just just looking around like somebody should be tugging at me, somebody should be pulling at me and feeling a little guilty. But you know what it's also doing is making me really excited about my family. Yeah. Making me happy that I have them to come home to. Making me uh, grateful for, I see families here and think, no, I have that. Just It's just over in, it's just in another roof right now. And I'm giving some time for myself. So I slept in. All that kind of stuff is, um, I need time like this, you know, yeah. to just sit back and not do much. So that for the next month, I can be only present for my kids. Right. You know? And that same thing happens when taking care of, I think, a veterinary hospital. You've got to take care of you. And that means get balanced. <laughs> and when you're out of balance, which is indicated by compulsive 
self-destructive behaviors, mm-hmm. then it's time to take the reins back. Right. And, and, and that means saying I need help. So, you know, I need help. It could be anything from help me figure out my finances to, you know, help me figure out why I think the way I do to help me find staff to, you know, help me talk to somebody. So that's what VGP is supposed to do for folks. And I'm excited that it's grown to this. Yeah. And I'm excited that you and your team have uh, just, you know, created something. I always had this vision, you know, mm-hmm. people running around spreading the gospel. Yes. <laughs> and I really feel like it, like the VGP coaches are those angels, you know, that are kind of doing that, spreading the gospel of uh, you don't have to drown in your practice. You know, you can you can do something different and actually enjoy work again. Yeah, and so one of the things, obviously, that you've introduced to the industry as well is uh, strategic planning and pathway planning. And so I wonder if um, after the pandemic, creating part of your pathway plan or strategic plan also should be a resilience plan, both for yourself personally and your business. So for entrepreneurs, managers, those people that are at getting to the point of burnout, it's you're, you're less productive you're not going to make as much um, change. And it's basically like you have to recover. Mm-hmm. Where if you're taking care of your well-being along the way, you're going to be able to be functioning on uh, more cylinders than yes. if you're at yes. a point of burnout. It's kind of this. Do you want your practice to go like this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or do you want to live right. this? Because, you know, those are kind of the two paths you can choose from. Right. And, and that's kind of true about life too. And so it's obviously with wisdom of age comes, I'd much rather be in a smooth trajectory upward because the on at this stage in life, the energy that it takes to allow dysfunction to affect us mm-hmm. is really just, it's, it's almost, it's like an emotional hangover. Mm-hmm. When, when we get caught in toxic cycles, whether it's at work or with a significant other or whatever it is, it's just, you get to a point where you go, at least I got to a point where I go, why am I even participating in this at all? You know, this right. kind of like, yeah, I absolutely know that this is like a flame that I should not touch. <laughs> and yet, you know, it, it can it can come back up and consume you. So I, I think it's, and it's the wellness, the taking care of self that gives you the wherewithal to create the boundaries you need, you know, and so that you can. You know, I, I learned a new word recently, what? sagacity. Sagacity. And sagacity is the knowledge and wisdom that you hold on to. Huh. It, it literally is a word? Yes. S-E-G-A-C-I-T-Y. S-A-G-C-I-T-Y. Sagacity. So I, it's... You, Julia, I'm going to be 59 <laughs> years old. You just taught me a new word. I, I rarely learn new words. So yes. that's where it's sagacity. Sagacity. I've been doing a lot of research on well-being, and it's mm-hmm. it's it, I keep talking about resilience, but it's part of a, a resilience plan is that you learn, you know, holding on to knowledge of what has helped you overcome ah, things in the yes. past okay. and then the wisdom that you hold on to um, helps you make better decisions for yourself and your life later. Yeah, so, yeah. And I think it's true that the whole, we now have a generation of people, I think, that believe in this. We've been working with it, the generation that came before me. I'd call this, I'm a very young boomer. I'm technologically a boomer, but I'm really... I'm technically a boomer by age, but I'm a Gen X person in terms of how I think of my life, mm-hmm. my cultural references and the people in my life. That said, the true boomers, older boomers, you know, that that's a whole different, generally speaking, whole different way of living and, and approaching life. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things that boomers weren't given permission to do really was to 
focus on self or really and if there was a focus on self it was on what can i get what can i build what can i accomplish mm-hmm. not what do i need to do to take care of me right this is a relatively this is a luxury of you know 21st century accomplishments you know that we as people can kind of sit here and go what do i need to be my best self mm-hmm. i mean we've never had that luxury before our teeth were falling out. We were dying of diseases. Our children were dying before us. Uh, we didn't have enough to eat. You know, we didn't know where we were going to live. I mean, that was just three or four generations ago. That's how most people lived. Yeah, it's changed so much. And, and now, and I'm not saying it's not bad for a lot of people, but now, even the people, we just, we have evolved as a species now to these longer lifespans and head spans where we have the luxury of developing. But we're not, it's really, I kind of think of it as like how the world must have been when fire came on board or when the wheel came on board or when electricity came on board. Well, I know what the world was like when the internet came on board and it just transformed everything. This will transform everything. If people can get, if there is no panacea out there for being a better functioning person, it is about learning the basics of self-care. And turning that into knowledge that you call what? What was that? Sagacity. Sagacity. I love the word and I'm going to start using it and learning it more because I do that. So I have a lot of sagacity, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's what it is. And I do have that. I have that reserve to draw on. And I, I think we all need it, but no, nobody's teaching that. And I guess that's what VGP is really all about besides just the business plan for your practice. It is a, you know, a life plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, pathway planning um, is... Is, is that like how do we incorporate what we want to happen in our lives to what we have to do in the business and hopefully make them all work together it's a it's a beautiful thing that you get to do as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. it's one of that's why they call it an entrepreneur you literally get to create your own reality <laughs> and there's not many folks that can do that you know yeah. I, I can't think of anybody other than small business people or artists you know that they get to and there's usually a price to pay for that to be risk so, but God bless you. Veterinary medicine is so cool because you literally just hang out in the shingle and people come. <laughs> you don't even have to be good at this. And people come. It's pretty amazing. So we've got a really still great opportunity in front of us. And I hope that people, you know, continue to take advantage of the offerings that you and your team are putting, well, that our team is putting out at VGP because it's, uh, it, it's life-changing. It's good stuff. And um, yeah, it has been for me. I try not to preach anything that I don't practice, <laughs> you know? And so uh, I definitely think my life has gone more like this now instead of for a period of as much like this. Mm-hmm. And it's because of these things we're talking So question, uh-huh. if you could go back in time to when you started your career, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Listen more. Listen more. And respect your elders I, I don't think that I purposely was too loud and disrespectful but I think that I was so driven to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish and to make my mark that I often discarded or disregarded advice from other people mm-hmm. and really didn't stop to listen enough mm-hmm. and, um, and I, I think I could have avoided some major mistakes had I listened more and I certainly feel like I could have made my own life path a little easier had I sought out advice from people. 
you know, but I was really a little bit selfish and, and driven to the point of nobody can tell me what to do. I'm going to do my, get out of my way. I know how to do things. And there's some truth to that. But I wish, like, I wish I hadn't been so opposed to learning from others. <laughs> and because I felt like I was, but I, I kind of had to be the person spearheading things. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and now I'm kind of not. And it's, it's really, it's very nice to sit back and learn from you, to learn from, you know, people around me. But you know me, and you know that I struggled with that for a couple of years. <laughs> what do I do with this? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the reason. I sound weird. Well, I answered the question. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so last question. Mm-hmm. Um, I, first of all, I just want to say, I feel like you are leaving uh, an amazing legacy within our industry and within many lives. But if you could choose one um, legacy that you would like to leave behind, what would that be? Mm-hmm. That I was responsible for transforming the way that people saw themselves. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that being associated with me, and you kind of said it when you opened up our segment there, that because of whatever interactions you had with me in your life, that it fundamentally changed the way you looked at things and took you down a different, different trajectory. Mm-hmm. And that's the impact that I want to make in people's lives. And, and I want to be remembered for that. Yeah. Oh, mission accomplished. Thank you. <laughs> but there's more lives out there. And there's, and there's more. Yes. What, but that's still to this day is what, what really turns me on. Like when, when somebody comes up to me and says, you know, wow, I just, I saw something in a way that I never saw it before. Or you helped me unburden myself uh, or it clarified for me. You know, that, that is the, that's the secret sauce. Yeah. That's what would make me, you know, keep coming back and, talking more and more and more, even though I sometimes get tired of hearing myself talk, is, is that. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I think that you have a way of reaching people and helping them with self-awareness, which is just the fundamental, you know, key to starting your emotional intelligence journey. So mm-hmm. thank you for the impact you've had on my life and so many of our members and practices and people in the vet industry and and in your personal life too you have a beautiful family thank you everybody and uh, by the way if you know somebody that in your life is a success story in veterinary medicine and i really mean this it could be a kennel worker it could be the person who cleans your hospital uh it, it can be the best client that comes through the door who's an animal advocate uh, a success story in your neighborhood. Uh, those are the kind of stories that we're looking for. And so I don't think we're going to have any shortage uh, of uh, candidates, but I'm always interested to hear what you think of when we say who's a success in your life. What's going on in their vet med mind? <laughs> <laughs>